Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious? Agnostic. Or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore. This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm Rebecca. Next to me is Danielle. Across this table from me is Pastor Mike Anderson of Holy Spirit Lutheran Church. Challenging Christianity is about asking questions about the theology of Christianity. If you have had questions about it, if you don't know anything about Christianity, wherever you are in your journey, um, we're here to answer those <laughs> questions. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Either. You're not. Either. I'm here to question as well. <laughs> right. But I'm going to be bringing in different guests, and one of my um, regular guests is going to be Pastor Mike Anderson because he's very um, schooled in this and also uh, just has the theology that I think can speak to a lot of people. So our topic today is going to be about Moses. Is that what we're talking about? Oh, I love um, that one. Do you? That, yeah, that I movie d- that Ten Commandments movie. We oh, used to watch classic! It every year as a family. Totally classic. And Charlton Heston, and I mean those waters. I mean the special <laughs> effects. Oh, you know the walls of water going up and people running across, and that's kind of almost the only thing I remember. Wow. I, re- I remember how beautiful the Egyptian the women plagues. with their makeup. Oh, the beautiful oh. Egyptian women and the plagues. There were something about plagues. So let it be written, so let it be done. I remember that. Wow, you're oh, good. You know it. Lot. Wow. I, I love I that movie. Big Charlton Heston fan in that one arena. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I don't have that clear of a memory of it. Uh, we, we always had Easter. It was big. Anyway, so what's the deal? Okay, so Moses and the plagues Dang and let my, let my people Heston. go. Yeah, let, oh, Pharaoh. <laughs> let my people go. I definitely know that one. Obviously, we know this. It's kind of like we had just talked about the Noah's Ark story, mm-hmm. and it was a bit of a children's story. This is a little bit of a story for a little bit older, mm-hmm. and but it, it hits me in the same way, sort of this surface thing. I get it, slaves, Egypt, free, okay, but mm-hmm. that's about that's about where it ends for me, and um, I'd like to know more. So maybe this is a good place for you to pop in, Pastor Mike, and say, what are we talking about here with this story of Moses, and what's really happening from a theological perspective? And again, we always, almost always are going to be touching on science and religion. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we talked about in a podcast earlier was um, about that. And please go listen to that if you want to hear the theology behind that. But I don't believe that these waters actually parted. I'm not sure I need to believe it. I don't, whether it happened or not is probably not the point. Or that these plagues, you know, the rivers ran blood and so on. I, I've never thought even before. I've never thought that those things were true or not true. I didn't think it needed to be because the point was the parable. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you think, Pastor Mike. Well, first of all, I have watched the Ten Commandments many times. The older <laughs> version, the Charlton Heston version, mm-hmm. and the more modern versions too. And yeah, I can't get on board with those. Usually oh, what happens is you choose a very dynamic Moses. So mm-hmm. Charlton Heston played Moses in the original movie. And he's big and strong and powerful compared to Pharaoh. So as I read scripture and read it carefully and read about Moses, um, I, think, I think the Ten Commandments miscast Moses with Charlton Heston. They really should, <laughs> Stop, they should have used Don Knotts. 
right. would have been a better <laughs> wow. choice for Moses because <gasps> in the Bible, yeah. Moses has every excuse possible not to follow God's call. He finally comes down and he says, I'm a person who can't speak well in public. And many people think he was someone who stuttered, um, someone who oh. wasn't strong, who wasn't competent. And God kept telling him, no, I, want, I will work through you. Follow this call. Wow. And finally, um, he, God just tells him, now you go and I will be with you. And so he goes to Pharaoh, who is the leader, the superpower of the day. Egypt has chariots and armies and great might. They are the superpower of the day. And Moses is supposed to go and say, you need to let my people go. Let these slaves be free. Your economy, your world is built on the backs of these slaves and you need to set them free. Mm. And finally, to prove the point, he um, does some miracles, um, turns the Nile into blood. And, you know, a lot of people have done the science of this and every year there's a, a sediment deposit that comes down from the mountains that turns the Nile red. Oh, uh, so okay. there's right. lots of uh -huh. natural explanations to this, but it's not about those natural explanations. Mm -hmm. It's not about the science. It's about the fact that the God of the slave people, the God of Moses, is doing battle with the God of the Egyptians. So the Egyptians saw their pharaoh as God. And so basically it's like saying the underclass people in this world are facing down the upper class people in this world. The powers of military might and economic power being confronted by those who are poor and oppressed. That's really what's going on in this story. And whose God is faithful? Whose God will set free the people? And the story tells us that God is on the side of the poor and the oppressed, those who have been slaves, which is a real challenge to us in right. a superpower world. Yeah. Right. We're on top. Yeah. I mean, economically anyway, let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Well, in many ways, the U.S. is an empire and right. we have a lot of financial success. But within our country, there are a lot of people who are also oppressed and held Absolutely. down. So this story about Moses really is about God trying to set people free. And the people are set free. Pharaoh finally says, go, and they leave, and they're going to be free. And then Pharaoh and the superpower, they chase after the Hebrew people as they're going towards the Red Sea, going towards um, a crossing to their own country, mm -hmm. and they get trapped. They're trapped. On one side, there is the, the Red Sea. Actually, it says the Reed Sea in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the other side are the Pharaoh and his chariots all coming, chasing him down. It looks like they're trapped. Right. And then God supposedly opens the water like a wall, and they walk through. Well, the symbolism of all that is and related. the water crashes down on the chariots yeah. and yeah, kills yeah. Yeah. all the yeah. other, the bad people. Yeah, does that <laughs> remind you of any other stories in the Bible? The waters come crashing back down? Uh, well, there, well I, it makes me think of the Noah story of that we just talked we about. We talked about in our last episode. It reminds me of every movie, you know, shoot 'em up movie <laughs> there is. Like, you bad guys and they get theirs in the end. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, a it's kind of a classic yeah, scenario yeah. Mm -hmm. um, where the bad guys get it yes. and the good guys get free. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of what this story is about too. But the symbolism of that water being part of it, we don't watch cowboy shows where the waters come back and overwhelm. <laughs> but in the Hebrew Bible, water is used time and time again. In the creation story, mm. 
God pushes back the water to bring out life. In the Noah story, God allows the water to come back to wipe out the evil. In the Moses story, God holds the water back so the Hebrew people can go through. Water, again and again and again, is a metaphor for that which is, that which is chaos, that which is darkness, that which is threat. Oh, I love that. And so it's that. all symbolism here. Yeah. And it, that symbol, water is a double metaphor for the Hebrew people because I think they experience flash floods a lot and they also experience drought a lot. So you'll see in the Bible that water is a metaphor for chaos and danger. Mm -hmm. The Mediterranean Sea, what's out there. The Hebrew people weren't seafaring people. So it was scary to think about the waters of the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And then the flash floods would come. And so water was dangerous, but it was also life-giving. Mm -hmm. So there's always okay. a double metaphor for water in the Bible. So this story where the Hebrew people are you know, trapped against the reed or Red Sea, it's a metaphor for our life, that there are times that we can feel trapped um, and we have nowhere to go. And sometimes we use the metaphor of a door opens, you know, as a door closes, <laughs> right. a window opens kind yes, of thing. Right. That's the same kind of metaphor of there will be openings for us to, to live out our life and to live as we're called to live, to be free. And that's what happened for the Hebrew people. Huh. That makes sense to you? Yes. It does make it, a lot well, of I, sense. Well, what I really like about it um, because usually when I'm hearing lectures, there's one thing specifically that stands mm -hmm. out is the, just the metaphor of the water and that it, because I can, I can relate to chaos and, you know, treacherous seas and things like that. I can relate to the darkness that comes into life and to see these stories as these people being pushed up against that. It's, you know, it makes a lot more sense than mm -hmm. A physical body of water. So if I were there. doing a movie about this, instead of having this dramatic effect where the waters become two walls and the Hebrew people walk through and then the walls come crashing down, mm. yeah. I would want to make it much more subtle that there was a watery, marshy land and the Hebrew people found the courage to go out into it and they carefully went from you know dry place to dry place and, and through the muck and the mud, they kept moving through it mm. until they were free and the chariots come get after stuck. them and oh, get stuck in that. the muck yeah. and the mud. Mm -hmm. And the symbolism of that would be much closer to the way we live our lives. Yes. You know, there are times that we're trapped and sometimes we have to walk through some muck and difficult times and until we're free. Um, that would be a much more theologically accurate movie than right. two walls of water that but come crashing. But it definitely doesn't play. It doesn't <laughs> play. <laughs> That's what Charlton Heston yeah. lead them through. So the, the Charlton Heston character really is not a theological character. It's mm -hmm. an American sort of pull your boots up by your... Yes. Pull your yeah, pull up your bootstraps kind of thing. You're strong as an individual. You'll overcome right. and you'll persevere. And you will lead all the others, yeah. right? Of course. Yes. You're so yeah. powerful you're so and powerful. strong and yeah. say all the right things. Yeah. And we, we take that into our own Christianity. And we think that Christianity is to dominate or to um, take over or to say other people are wrong. And that's Ooh. really not the, the story of Christianity, is to trust God is at work through even ordinary, everyday people, especially through ordinary people, especially through people who may have a disability like Moses did. You know, yeah. how are we to listen to those who may have deeper insight than those who are, quote, successful and powerful mm -hmm. and rich and in, in a position of influence. Mm -hmm. um, we should be listening to people who are homeless, people who have 
disease, people who are struggling with cancer. There we will find our theological insight because they're the ones who have been up against the Red Sea, up against the Reed Sea, and we'll find deep, deep meaning and insight from those kind of people rather than the Charlton Hestons. Oh, now we're getting I into like it. it. <laughs> now yeah. we're pushing some buttons, I'm sure. Of course. Now, when I remember watching the movie, and right after the Red Sea, that was when I, I'm going to bed. What? Of the desert stuff? Yeah, really I in the miss desert? all the other stuff afterwards. It's that triumphant ending of like, I thought it ended we made there. it to freedom. <laughs> it didn't but end there? I don't think so. Did it? Well, I don't, it doesn't in the Bible, right? It doesn't in the Bible, I'm <laughs> sure. So what, what goes on then? Well, what happens right after they move through the Red Sea or the Reed Sea is they go into the Sinai Peninsula, which is going to be called their wilderness wandering. So for, in the Bible, it says 40 years. We don't know exactly. 40 is a number that's used again and again and again, like 40 days, 40 years, Jesus in the wilderness, 40 Maybe days. Maybe it means umpteen. It means umpteen, yeah. It means like, it's like a long like A long while. A long while. A long while. So they're in the wilderness for a long while before they come into the promised land. And there they go to Mount Sinai, and that's where they receive the Ten Commandments, which is probably a topic for another show. Totally, totally, <laughs> yeah. But it actually matches up with our own spiritual journey uh, very well, because oftentimes um, we end up in wilderness moments in our own life. Even though we've moved through um, a difficult crossing, there might be wilderness moments in our life too. And the whole story is that God goes with the Hebrew people in the wilderness. There's a story about um, the Hebrew people building a tabernacle. A tabernacle is a tent where God can live with them. So mm. God supposedly goes camping <laughs> with the Hebrew oh people and goes with them in difficult times, the deep valleys and the high mountaintops and the ordinary days. They believe that God is with them, right with them all the time. Mm. In fact, they built and their isn't, camp. isn't God because if we really believe that God is working through people, isn't God there? Yes, God is right. there, working through people. And what yeah. and this is a little off topic, but what's that phrase where wherever two people or three people meet, there I am? Yeah, with meet, him, yeah. With wherever him. two or three are gathered, I am there I with am them. I am there with them. Yeah. That has been really pivotal in my life. That yeah. little saying has stuck with me f yeah. for my whole life. That's a, that's a very comforting comforting saying. One thing that comforts me, which is similar to this, is I grew up in a town of about a thousand people and we had a number of churches. My church happened to have a steeple and you could see it from most parts of the town. And it was like a symbol that in the midst of our ordinary life, mm -hmm. there is the presence of God. And our whole town was built around the fact that people connected to the holy, the divine, through their church communities. We don't have that really too much anymore, mm -hmm. um, but it was very comforting for me to have that as a centerpiece. And what I would like to say to everyone listening is that you know, our belief here is that God is with us even in the deepest, darkest moments of our wilderness. Um, in fact, that's what um, Good Friday is about. That's mm -hmm. what the Walk to the Cross is about, God going with us into that dark moment. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because when you say that, that it's comforting to you to see that church steeple. I think that a lot of people may um, have thought of it differently and being like, oh, there's the church lording over everyone, mm. you know. Or a source of guilt. A Maybe source I of guilt or lording, sort of this on the hill lording over, you know, and controlling lives. And I think it's... Um, 
it's it it probably is true for some, but I I find it comforting to think that other people saw it as no, it's a place where I go to have comfort. Yeah. And, and be be in community with people. I can certainly understand people um, feeling that the church being at the center dominates and controls and judges and um, I I struggled with that for a long time too. Um, in fact, rejected the church for a long time because of that judgmentalism. Um, but I, I found that um, having the church as a symbol in the center of things um, is like the Bible in the sense that God is in the center of the Hebrew people, and they were not perfect. Um, they were they actually began worshiping other idols during the wilderness wandering. Yet God continued to to be with them. God continued to work through people who you know, really deserve judgment. I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they lied. Um, Isaac was not faithful at times. Joseph was not faithful. Moses wanted to um, run away from God's call. Um, person after person really should be judged in the scripture. In fact, all the biblical heroes should be judged in some way by how we understand you know, the negative side of Christianity today. And we should really look at that God is faithful to people who have um, deep wounds and great difficulties in life. God continues to want to be with us. So that does away with judgment um, for me wow. as a pastor. It's not me to judge at all. In fact, I were, if I were to say there's any kind of God's judgment, it would be God judging that you are innocent, you are created in God's image, you are good and pure and lovely, and I will be with you and help you move in that direction your whole life because that's your destiny, that's who you are. That's beautiful. I love that. Did, and it's don't, too bad Don't hear that enough. Don't hear that enough Yeah, I know. That's what it says in Scripture, though, and that's what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. And we don't hear it enough because it's so much easier to bring a community together by judgment and by authority and by power. And people often resonate with that, mm -hmm. especially if they can judge other people to be right. wrong and they <laughs> are fun. right. They kind that's fun. That's just fun yeah. Yeah. right now. They're like, wrong. We're right. right. So uh -huh. we feel good about ourselves. And that's not the way God worked it in the Bible at all. Wow. That's super powerful. We're kind of coming to the end. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we covered the things we wanted to talk to about about Moses. If anybody has any other things to talk about that, of course, we can, like we said, there's a, there's a lot to cover. <laughs> there's the, the umpteen years in the desert to get through. Um, but thanks for listening. I hope that uh, this uh, was comforting to you in any, in any way. And we're going to talk more about um, all kinds of spiritual questions and matters later. Thanks. Bye-bye.